Um, I think she does really well into it. My basically my strategy is I you know I've got a bunch of place four bonus actions and then move six with flight. I'm just gonna flip my markers, get in your face in your own quadrant early on, and then just like you'll obliterate my crew, but you didn't get across the table, you didn't score any points, and I got you know most of my points. You know I got two or three from the scheme and hopefully two to four from the scheme, uh, two to three from the strategy. Howdy friends, Craig here. We've got another path to podium for Malifaux. This is for a tournament that occurred in Charlotte, North Carolina uh, late last year. Uh, obviously, this is before the quarantine as well as before gaining grounds one. It's interesting to see what crews they brought, why they brought those crews, and uh, some of the key moments that led to them uh, making it to the top three in that event. At the very end, we have a really interesting discussion talking about the different strategies and schemes that are in uh, Gaining Ground Zero. Uh, they make some predictions and kind of a wish list of things they would like to see in Gaining Grounds 1, and it's kind of neat to hear uh, what's discussed based off of what we knew ended up happening. Enjoy. Playing a tabletop strategy game allows you to unplug and test your skills against friends. Every week, Third Floor Wars delivers useful strategies, discussions, battle reports, and reviews to tabletop games like Malifaux. If you want to get better at the games you already play, or discover the games other people are playing, you are in the right place. Craig and Ray welcome you to the Third Floor and the Tabletop Talk Broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we have the three players that made the podium in the 14-player three-round event in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, the henchman that runs it, Chris Blue, is a good friend of mine. Um, he's uh, the local hench there in Charlotte, and uh, I think one of the guys that's put a lot of effort into uh, uh, M3E. He ran the event, and our guests are Oliver Borden, Daniel Phillips, and Nick Alanis. Now, Oliver comes out of the Capital City Conference, and he placed second in the Nova GT. And if you listen to the Path to Podium for Nova, you got a chance to hear uh, Oliver. And he's been on the show a few times now. Uh, probably one of my favorite episodes that Oliver was on is he did a, um, a Building a Meta from Scratch episode, which I'll have linked in the show notes for you. Uh, he placed first in the event playing Bayou. So, Oliver, welcome back to the third floor. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. So um, today, uh, and I don't know how you know how we're going to release these and what order they'll be released, but you and I are recording twice today. We're recording this, and then we're doing the Mataka deep dive. Um, just want to find out what you've been playing in general um, over the last month or so. Yeah, uh, so mostly I've been playing Somer and Ma with like random dive-ins to Neverborn stuff when my community asked me to stop playing Bayou. <laughs> uh, played Titania a couple times because I'm painting one. Um, but yeah, mostly just sticking with the broken stuff. Yep, yep. All right, cool. So some of you might recognize our second guest, Daniel. Um, he plays out of the Carolinas Conference. Uh, he was the Pandora player on our uh, one of our recent battle Battleground broadcast live videos, uh, which is worth watching, and I'll have linked in the show notes. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, technically, his first appearance here on the pod, but he's been to the third floor, like literally been on the third floor a few times. So, Daniel, welcome back to the third floor. Thanks for having me. You're oh, it's good to have you, man. Um, Want to kind of find out from you um, uh, what Neverborn Masters you've been uh, having the most success with lately? Um, 
I Draper is kind of my bread and butter. Um, and then I've, I would say other than that, I've, it's kind of a hodgepodge of things with the exception of Nekama. That's also just a, uh, kind of an easy crew to run and very effective and kind of a, uh, crutch if I'm not sure what I'm going up against and I just want something simple and effective and straightforward. That's kind of, I go with Nekama. Um, so we're not seeing a whole lot of Nekama talk right now. Do you think that's just because we, we don't have the totem in the crew box? Uh, that's part of the reason. Um, a lot of those Nephilim models are from first edition and they're very hard to find. I usually have to borrow one or proxy. Yeah. Um, anytime I play her, uh, which is, you know, an inherent, uh, obstacle to, you know, getting her out there more. Um, but I, you know, there's also better options in Neverborn with Dreamer and Zoraida. Um, it, it, she's good at what she does, but it's kind of a niche pick and it's kind of a comfort pick for me. Yeah, and so it's a situation where she just gets beat out in every pool by somebody else. Uh, not always, but for the most part, yeah. Gotcha. Opportunity cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a big part of that, and it's why I'm glad I don't develop this game because to have five, you know seven, eight, nine masters in a faction and be able yeah, to opportunity cost is a huge issue. Yeah, I mean it's hard, it's hard to come up with a, um, a a spot for each one of them. All right, our last guest is Nick, who plays uh, also plays out of the Capital City Conference. And Nick, uh, you played top table against Cody Hyatt in the recent North Carolina Grand Tournament this year, and you ended up finishing fourth in that event. Um, he was also one of the guests for our Building a Meta from Scratch episode that I mentioned that uh, Oliver was on. And you brought Neverborn to this event. So, Nick, welcome back. Uh, welcome back to the third floor. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, great to be here again. <laughs> so, Nick, you did not play Neverborn at, at the NCGT. You played uh, Outcast, right? Uh, I actually played Ten Thunders. All right, only, I'm sorry, Ten Thunders. Yeah, I, Ten I, Thunders get, I get the broken yeah. factions mixed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, talk to me about the transition to Neverborn for uh, this event. Oh, so for the for this event, like one of our friends got this like old lot of Neverborn models from First Edition, and like he gave me this box. And there could have been a dead rat in it. I don't know. I like opened it up and <laughs> just looked through his models while we were driving on the way to the event. I was like, oh, let's play Dreamer. You have all like all the Dreamer stuff, all the minions. So I'll just play that this time. <laughs> so are you telling me that, that this tournament was the first time you've ever played Dreamer? Uh, first time I put it on the table. I played a couple times in Vassal. Oh, okay. With, yeah. with himself, by mind. Just, <laughs> just to test it, yeah. The Cody so, method. <laughs> I've tested it, yeah. But, like, yeah, it's the first, like, actual on the table, putting models, like, on the table, doing stuff. So, um, and I don't want to go too far into it, but uh, what do you think is kind of the uh, the, the difficulty level, uh, in your opinion, of Dreamers? So having run him for the first time, you know, on the table at an event, do you think he's a, a plug and play or does, do you think it takes a, a good player to do well with him? Uh, both. Cause like if you're, so personally, I think if like, if the player playing dreamer plays him perfectly and you manage to make it through all five rounds or all five turns of a game, it's like almost impossible to beat him. Yeah. But like if the player makes mistakes, there's like chances to actually take advantage of it. Like, Daniel was able to do that in our round two game because I was just a dingus and <laughs> messed up a bunch. So. <laughs> well, yeah, you had a rough time that one. Yeah. Well, and we're going to obviously talk about that round, but uh, it, it's it's you know tough on you, Nick, to to go against uh, an extremely experienced Neverborn player, uh, which is which Daniel is. So, we'll, but we'll talk about that when we talk about round two. Um, so, Oliver, you've been to a, a couple events. Uh, what did you think of the Charlotte event in general? The venue? Yeah, super cool. The venue was really cool. 
that store was awesome. They have like a fine Malifaux section because it's that's just like an issue with the logistics of the game. Uh, but they had some stuff that wasn't out elsewhere, so a couple of the guys picked up some stuff. The cool thing for me um, was they had like all these like random obscure pen and paper RPGs. So I just was like perusing those between rounds. Um, but as for the community itself, that was like really cool. I mean, Blue's like a super cool guy. Yeah. I think I've, I think I'd met him at one of the other Carolina events. Um, but I know I've talked to him a million times online. Uh, but it was great to see like everybody again, basically in person. I always like traveling to the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah. well, and there was uh, what four of you guys from the capital city that came down, right? Yeah, it was uh, me, Nick, John, and Matthew. Uh, John and Matthew obviously being the two infamous people from a weird place who constantly start <laughs> trolly fights on the internet. Um, they're a part of our brand, I guess. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just going to shout that out. But you guys showed well. Uh, you guys took three of the top four spots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John John got fourth, I want to say, because he doesn't know how to score points. Um, so Nick, Nick beat him on breakers. Yeah. Um, he's a very much, uh, yeah, I won six to five. Isn't that great? We're like, no, that sucks. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was a good showing for you guys to travel out of town into, uh, you know, a competitive conference like ours and do well is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, Daniel, what was your take on the, uh, event? Um, I go ahead and say, I love that store. Um, I really like the, the, uh, play surfaces. It stand up. I stand up the whole time I play anyways. So having to lean over like a shorter table or whatever, is kind of annoying and they have the nice little table underneath. So even though you're shoulder to shoulder with the people next to you, you have that little shelf underneath you to put all your extra bottles and uh, cards and everything else that you don't need. The shelf was S tier. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No question. Uh, yeah. The meat, the, the meeple's great because they, and for those of you that have obviously many of you have never been there, but they have what, what I call bar level tables. So it comes up, you know, to uh, above your stomach, or like mid chest, the tables themselves. And it's just so easy to stand and play. Um, and that I agree, Daniel, that shelf under is nice. Um, it's also this is going to sound funny, but it's also a clean store. Um, oh, yeah. Which, You're not wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, for hobby stores can be a rarity. So troll caves. Yeah, oh. exactly. All right, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to um, kind of cover several things. I'm going to try to cover each of these rounds with you. And we're going to focus on a few things. One, what crews did you pick and why? Who did you face? And um, and uh, was their pick something that uh, influenced your builds? And then I want to find out from each of you for each round, what do you think were some of the key moments? Decision points that you guys made that uh, you know led to you uh, eventually making the podium itself. Uh, the idea is, is to give the listeners uh, some insights uh, for competitive play that hopefully that they can take some of the thoughts and processes that you guys had and translate it into their own play. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about round one. All right, guys, round one. Uh, interesting pool. It's wedge, plant explosives. The schemes were outflank, vendetta, search the ruins, harness the ley line, and hold up their forces. Now, Oliver, you played against uh, Jesse Watson. Um, Jesse recently was on an episode where we did a deep dive into uh, Lucius. Uh, he's also been on the live stream before. Um, a great guy, especially to play against. Uh, one of the cleanest players I've ever come across. So uh, you ended up beating Jesse 6-4. So let's first talk about your approach to the pool. Yeah, so anytime I see harness and search in a pool, I'm going to take them because they're easy. Um, I know a lot of people have started to contest that. I think that's still the same. I think it's the same as always been. 
the reason I find those easy is they don't take my opponent to do. Right. Um, I can ignore my opponent. I can be losing the whole game and I can still score my points. Um, Bayou is very much a giant paper bag of cockroaches. And once it pops, you just got to scurry. And uh, I think those very much play to that play style. Uh, what, what, and what keyword did you bring? Uh, I brought Ma because she's hyper AP efficient. Um, so that lets me get all of those regardless of what's happening. Um, he declared Sand Deep. And so I knew that like attrition would be a main uh, focus of the game. I knew time would be a pressure in the game. So I wanted something I could play like instantly. I like, I think all of my decisions were fairly snappy. Um, there were a couple times I just didn't think, but um, I knew that would be a main pressure point of the game. So I want something I was familiar with. What do you think uh, uh, some the, of the key stuff was that uh, key moments? Yeah. So key moments, um, there was an initial uh, part of the first turn uh, where he deployed behind a building. And I think that that kind of set him behind the whole game. Um, he had to like kind of get out from behind the building. He did take a tax, um, a tax model. He took the captain, um, which was obviously a counter pick to Ma yeah. uh, reduces damage from range. So I kind of like, shot into stuff that like left that bubble and just insta murdered it. And then everything else I just focused on scoring. Um, Roosters are three AP. Um, Gracie is five AP. Um, so you're going to go ahead and just super hyper outvalue your opponent just doing that stuff. And I kind of just audible to the attrition plan of, Oh, I have more AP than you. So I'm just going to do this even with him something like win game in every turn. Cause the second they left that bubble, I just killed him instantly. So yeah, and it. Um, uh, I have not played against Sandeep, but I'm hearing a lot of good stuff about him. I mean, what was kind of had, had you experienced a Sandeep match before? Yeah. Uh, I've played against Sandeep a few times. There's a guy in our shop um, who plays him uh, semi regularly, um, Gavin. Um, I've played a lot of games against him. Usually, we'll like take an afternoon and just like try and play it perfectly, and we ignore time. Right. Um, but we just take note that like time will always be a consideration. If you sit down against Sandy, plan to win on turn three of the game and on turn three, always score on turn two, always score all your points on turn three. That's the only reason I got six points was because I was like, okay, Sandy, we're not getting past turn three. Um, his big thing, and uh, I think this is something a lot of people need to focus on, is his poison gammon. Um, basically do so much micro damage that it, it just gets really overwhelming really quick. Um, Jesse didn't get really much of an opportunity to take that at his advantage because he had to summon them in. Um, the biggest things I think that happened with like the table was just kind of awkward. It had this huge like area in the middle. There was like this, like basically a uh, level out of Mario Kart. It was like the giant like square with all the other buildings connected to it and stuff. And it was really cool, but like I could just keep him in a corner from him from getting up into that building. Right. Right. All right, Daniel, now you played Matthew McGill, who's uh, was uh, on the car ride down <laughs> for the Capital City uh, group here, and it was a close win, 5-4. Um, what was your approach to the pool? Um, so anytime I see planned explosives, I, my mind immediately goes to Dreamer, and that's almost always my pick. Um, I might not consider it if they're taking Guild or something and they can take the jury against me. Um, it's really bad for his summons because he does, I think it's like two damage to buried models and one damage to summoned models. Um, when he activates. Um, so Dreamer, I took... Um, the main two picks I took outside of the normal stuff were um, Widow Weaver and uh, Capellius. Um, 
Widow Weaver um, can, as a bonus action, no flip, she can drop out a web marker, um, and then at the beginning of her next activation, she can place into base contact with the web marker within six, uh, or within 12, excuse me. Um, so she moves around really fast and basically is just a scheme runner. Um, you just put two bombs on her, let her go, uh, let her score some um, breakthrough, which wasn't in that pool, but uh, Search the Ruins was, uh, which I ended up taking. Um, that was easy points with Farrah Capellius. Uh, his move seven with Agile, also great for uh, getting through and scoring search. Um, but he also has an aura um, with an aura three and a, um, I believe it's a mask trigger. Uh, you can remove enemy scheme markers within three and place your own scheme markers in base contact with it. Um, he's playing Colette, so I knew he was going to go for the scheme marker schemes. Um, and I thought, you know, especially if he takes Harness the Ley Line, this is going to be really, really good against it because I could place, you know, pick up his markers and put two of mine or one of mine in base contact with his and score it myself. Colette has a lot of removal abilities as well. Did that concern you or impact what you picked? Um, no, because I, I felt like I had more ability to take her, like kill her stuff than she did mine. So I felt like I, you know, I have the models that can do the killing uh, to kill. I just need to take out a couple key models to deny his denial um, in a weird way of speaking. But I wasn't too concerned about it. Um, I definitely got ahead early that game and totally got overconfident, and he brought it back and almost won, or almost tied, rather. Um, I thought I was going to, you know, put up like 7-3 and win, um, and he scored a lot of points I didn't expect at the end, and I did not score as many as I thought I would. So out of curiosity, like, what, what, was, what was your miss on that? So how, how did he sneak up on you that way? Um, Colette burying things. Um, cause I took out flank. Uh, he denied the second point about flank, uh, by burying my, I think it was my widow weaver, um, on one flank. And then he, um, the Corfi duet was a really good scheme runner, uh, which he didn't use it to attack me at all, which I was, I was worried about it the whole game and I was kind of keeping my distance from it. And then it just ran through and scored, you know, two or three points for him by splitting and rejoining and splitting and rejoining the threat that the duet has is believe it or not part of the reason it's a great scheme runner for exactly how you reacted to it which is you know most scheme runners you just go all right i'm just gonna wipe that off the board uh the the duet is like oh you want to fight let's that sounds good too i'll i won't score this turn and i'll just wipe you off the board so um and i think that i don't think that's talked enough of about enough of um that i think that smart arcanist players which is a hard phrase for me to say um (laughs) they they use that duet for exactly what what uh, matthew did so that's interesting uh so key moments for you dan Daniel, um, what, what do you think uh, made the difference, um, allowed you to uh, at least feel like you had the game in the bag and eventually eke it out? Um, he, so initially he had buried, like, he ended up, I think he buried Chompy twice, which I think was a really bad look, especially since he took two, he took Search of the Ruins and he took um, another scheme marker. Uh, he took Carnival Line and searched the ruins. That's what he took. Um, and if you bury Chompy, he can deploy near one of my scheme markers, which I'm putting out, or he can unbury in my deployment zone. And both of his, it's wedge deployment. So I can basically walk from my deployment zone to the halfway line for harness if it's uh, not on near one of the corners, or I can, you know, pick up a search uh, marker pretty easily. He's got Trail of Gore, excuse me, as a bonus action. So I can move 12 inches, and then within three of that, I can pick up a scheme marker with Trail of Core, which is huge anti-scheme tech. 
Um, and you know, you bury him, you give me all the options to put him wherever I want on the board. He gave you inadvertently gave you a ton of flexibility with choppy. Yeah. I was, I was ecstatic when he did that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just through activation control and some other stuff, he really, uh, put the screws to me late and ended up making me forcing me to make some hard decisions, which I screwed up on and ended up denying me some points and scoring some of his own. Um, he, he kind of dug himself in a hole and just really almost got himself out. Oh, um, that's cool. Hats off to him, right? Yeah. Great game. Great guy, too. I had a blast playing against him. He's very funny. He's a hilarious guy. He's, I enjoyed it. He's yeah. awful on the internet, but he's amazing. Yeah, he's a good dude. <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a good dude. I can totally see that. If you're like, He's very sarcastic, so if you're not... Oh, yeah. You can't pick yeah. up on that when you're like on some internet forum. Well, let's so. compa- yeah, he let's... never puts a slash S. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you compare that to John. John is exactly as he comes off on the internet, in person. Yeah, yeah. He's just... <laughs> 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 All right. Um, um, so, Nick, you played uh, one of our, our Carolina locals, Damian Guy. Um, and for those of you listening, you may have uh, remember Damian was the Matucka player um, against Daniel on the Battle, Battleground broadcast video. Um, and, Nick, you won 6-5. Uh, what did you uh, – you brought Dreamer, I guess, right? Yeah. What did mm-hmm. uh, What did uh, Damian declare? He brought Transmortis. Oh, uh, nice. So, Von Stuck, yeah. Um, yeah, when I saw that, I knew it was just going to be a slug out, like – is there's no there's no way around it. You're just gonna sit. You're both gonna be each other's face fighting each other because like Dreamers about as tanky as they are. So, um, but yeah, so I picked uh, Outflank and Hold Up. They're just super easy for that crew. Yep, like insanely. It's 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 interesting because like Dreamers one of the crews that really loves spreading out and wants you to do the same thing. Uh, but it didn't end up that way. He, uh, like, focused one of the corners. The game was actually kind of weird because uh, the first turn, he black jokered on putting the upgrade on Valedictorian. So he couldn't give it fast. He couldn't, like, threaten me with it. So I was like, all right, I can just move around, do whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the second turn, he started, like, trying to stop my outflank. But it was it was just, it was not easy for him to, like, keep up on scoring. Yeah. Because he took uh, Harness and Search also. Um, and you know, dreamer has ways to get around that. And if you're like focused around in one area, it's easy to keep you like contained there. So quick question for you, Nick, you mentioned, um, you know, obviously dreamer likes to spread out that I understand, but you yeah. also mentioned that dreamer likes your opponent to spread out as well. Can you kind of explain to everybody what that means? Why does dreamer like that? He really likes it. Cause like if you're individually fighting his models and like, they're, they're still tanky. Almost all of them are like incorporeal or armor or something. But like, uh, since you're, you can individually fail those whip duels, like the, so I played all minions. I only played the minions. I didn't take any enforcers or henchmen and dreamer. I only played insidious man stitched and daydreams. Wow. Okay. Uh, Alps, I guess as an option to summon. Cause my list was, uh, three insidious, two stitched, three daydreams. Um, cause I think they're just that much more efficient than yep. everything else in the crew. The other stuff is sweet. I like it. It's cool. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like if you have like a three insidious, they're really fast. If you try to go fight them, they make you feel whip duels and summon people next to you and they keep healing themselves. It's, it's like really bad for you to try to fight them individually. So you have to ball up and like hit pockets of them because otherwise it's just not going to work out. Um, but yeah. Plus like the, sorry, the other thing like with the three insidious they can just sit in the corner and use disembodied voices to eat focus on people, get them distracted. 
So they're always useful even when scheming. They can just sit there and do nothing and be, still affect the board anywhere they want. Um, so if someone's going up against Dreamer, I mean, I, I, is one of the things you're afraid of is getting, you know, kind of isolated and ganged up on? Is that is that an issue or a threat? I don't think it is because you have so much movement with the Daydreams that you can... Because, like, it, what would happen that game, I was, like, moving up my left side, he was moving up his left side. So we're, like, on opposite sides of the board. And then the Daydreams lets you, like, all right, he's going to do that. Well, I can kind of come in from the side and stop you from, like, stopping me. So and now you've, I would assume uh, you've played von, against Von Stuck before because you've got yeah. some uh, Rezzer players up there. What's your take on him? Uh, he is also one of the Broken Crews. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. like, it's, it's he, because Valedictorian is such a threat that he can reach anyone on the board first turn. So you're like, all right, I can't bring any like scheme runner people because he'll just eat them, turn them into a model. And then they have, they're so tanky and they also draw a shit ton of cards. Yeah. The, the card draw is insane. It's, they, they yeah. draw so much and it's just like, it, they're, really tanky too armor yep. and hard to win on most of their models so always doing middle minus one yeah it's like very difficult to actually like win in a straight up fight with them you have to like do other stuff um well yeah. and <laughs> under, undergraduates maybe one of the best minions in the game they're really good yeah, yeah. they're really really good <laughs> they're like equal to the insidious madness and dreamer like they're about as effective yeah just yep. really effective um, <laughs> and uh by your side it's a pretty good ability yeah. <laughs> um, pretty good. All right, Grace. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from this break, we're going to talk about round two. It's a standard reckoning round. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so we got three wins, uh, one for each of you. Let's head into round two. Now, it's a standard reckoning round with Breakthrough, Claim Jump, Vendetta, Take Prisoner, and Power Ritual. Uh, now, Oliver, you played a local Neverborn player, Sam Newman, and had a huge win of 8-1. Uh, first, let's find out what you brought and what Sam brought. Yeah, so I brought Neverborn. Or, sorry, not Neverborn. I brought, he brought Neverborn. Uh, I brought, uh, brought Sober. Um, he's the best master in Bayou, in my opinion. Um, I thought he was damn good before this game. And then after the game, I was like, oh, he's just the best. Um, Sam taught me something that I didn't realize worked the way I thought it did. Um, he brought Zareta. He had a really cool list, actually. Um, so I want to kind of shout that out. He was bringing a Black Blood Shaman mm. and a Gotru Boker. So he could stab his Black Blood Shaman, drop a corpse, eat the corpse, focus pulse everybody. And then if you do not kill her in her deployment before the start of turn two, she summons a greater demon, whatever the hell they're called. Um, what, Nephilim, greater Nephilim, what are they called? Mature Nephilim. Mature yeah, Nephilim. That's it, yeah, yeah. great. He summons a bloodthirster, and then the bloodthirster <laughs> starts killing things. Um, I got lucky, so obviously that didn't happen. Um, but yeah. So let's talk about uh, your Somer list. 
Yeah, so I think for Somer, you're almost always bringing a uh, a spit hog. I'm gonna put that out there first because there's a lot of people who still don't believe in the spit hog. Spit hog's good. Model. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's one of the best models in the game. Yeah. It's got stats seven more. It's got a weird thing that is not like anything else where it just scoops everybody up in six inches and puts them in base to base with it. Also known as now they're behind your enemy lines. And yep. They will die. Um, I usually bring at least one good old boy, usually two. Um, and Georgina Olaf, obviously, Lenny, obviously, um, they don't really need a lot of explanation. Uh, old Cranky is exceptional and he's, I'm, I'm bringing him a lot more now because he lets you focus on Somer and he lets you focus on Georgina Olaf for free because their bonus actions aren't actually that good. Yep. Um, and then usually what you're doing is turn one, you're flying Skeeters into position to interact and then you're summoning a crier who can then see one of the skeeters to interact. So for my missions, I took uh, search the runes. I'm sorry, not search the runes. I took um, claim jump and take prisoner. Um, you have to think of Somer for scheming like Zoreda, who can also do other things because the criers are so powerful at obeying. Oh. Um, they're stat seven obey with bully. There's six points. So they can always obey their own guys for the most part. All they need is a seven. That's it. And then if they catch anyone who's an enemy who's cheaper than them, like they can they can just run right over them. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. And then claim jump super easy for Lenny because if you get near Lenny, he will kill you. Yep. If you don't kill Lenny, I'm gonna win. So you have to get near Lenny. So it's just the tension. Point. So take prisoner is not a normal pick, Oliver, for you in this case that you lo- you generally prefer schemes where you don't have to depend on the opponent. So, but with Somer, that's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah. So Somer does not have movement um he really doesn't have an ability to get past the line of scrimmage so that immediately cuts breakthrough out of it um and immediately cuts power ritual out so you're left with vendetta which i hate i will never take vendetta ever so that (laughs) means that i'm taking claim junk or take prisoner so when i looked at this this round i was like okay these are the two missions i have to take because the rest are dog shit or i'm playing zip to try and run after breakthrough and power ritual i don't like taking both um, so Somer was the obvious pick because for take prisoner, I can always score the second point yeah. by killing his own guy with his own guys. Cause cries are that powerful. Um, and then claim jump is pretty easy with Lenny. Um, so just because at the end of the day, like you don't usually want to get near him. And if they do get near him, he can throw them away or you can cry or move them away. There's like a ton of options for getting people away from him in the list. Um, it was a pretty interesting game. He started with the Groot slaying and put him. Uh, put his layers up and everything, did his black blood trick, and then he moved up McTavish. Um, his list was McTavish, Grootslang, Black Blood Shaman, uh, Doppelganger, and Gotru Boker, Zareta, obviously, and I think that's it. It was a pretty small team. So for me, that means my Skeeters are highly valuable yep. because they're really hard to kill. Um, usually walk focus with them on turn one while they're in position to interact or scheme. This game, they just focused, and then I think I did put a, a, a bully uh, ski marker down just to, like, make nonsense. Um, but they're just going to fly into a person and then focus on the defense and be stat 7 on defense, and they're just, like, impossible to kill. Because you're usually min-damaging them, so unless you're hitting them with a 3 stat, they're, they're not going to die. Um, but he walked him up, and then I walked up with good old boys, and I shot. So this is where the game gets really weird. Uh, so I focus on the shot because good old boys are broken because they have swagger. Uh, and then he's like, okay, cool. So you get a positive on your ricochet. I was like, what? 
He's like, yeah, so the way the rules are nested, uh, I forgot we were playing Infinity. The way the rules are nested, uh, your focus carries over to the ricochet. And I was like, no, that's not how that works. That's cool that you think that. Like, that sounds mega broken, but no, there's no way it works that way. So then I go over to Jesse, and Jesse's like, yeah, it works that way. Yeah, and for those listening, <laughs> the ricochet is the, the trigger, right? Yeah, the ricochet is a trigger. So it's, they have, a, they have a, a, a shotgun that's eight inches. It's two, three, three blast. So if you trigger the blast um, on severe, I think it's three blast, three blast. But if you trigger the blast on severe, you're, you're hitting uh, bystander for three damage. And then you're ricocheting up to three inches away for one, two, or four. So the fact that it's, you know, you can flip severe is just crazy. So he's a black blood shaman behind a wall. I shoot McTavish, splash the blast down, and then ricochet. I can barely see it because he's a, he's a giant idiot. So there's a line. I ricochet onto him, flip. And I think I flipped a red joker and then just five hits a black blood shaman. Because, you know, better luck. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. So. And then at that point, like, everybody's like, no, no, it definitely works that way. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And it just confirmed person after person after person. Um, and that just makes Somer a whole nother bag of crazy. Yeah. Because no. now he doesn't need to get to turn five to beat you. He can table you turn two or three at most. And if you survive past that, he's summoning into waiting turn five. Well, and to clarify from my perspective, Oliver, Somer's not the problem, right? In the same way that I don't think Ma is the problem, I think that what what needs some attention is focus as a condition. Um, um, it's I, it's uni, it's universal, and this is just my opinion. Um, yeah. and it's my podcast, so I'm right. Um, <laughs> That's it, a it, pretty good brand. <laughs> it's it's too it's too easy to get. Not yeah. only is it just a universal, you know, you can just, uh, you know, concentrate, but focus is in a lot of places. Um, so the efficiency yeah. is there. And um, I didn't used to think this, man, but the more the more I'm talking to people, the more games I'm watching and the more games I'm playing, it's and I don't know what the answer is. I know uh, Kyle on one of our episodes uh, had an interesting idea, which is you get a positive to something, right? So you can either choose to get a positive to the attack or the damage. thought that was an interesting uh, solution, which doesn't make focus useless, um, but doesn't make it disgusting. Um, but um, yeah, just one. You just get one. Or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there probably has to be something. I do think that if you adjust focus, Summer is still hyper broken. Well, yeah, he's he still good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's just every single model in his crew outside of Manganesis, which are really good when they're really good. Mm-hmm. But that that five percent or ten percent doesn't show up often. Um, other than that, every single model in that crew does dumb shit. Like they're stat seven on almost all their attacks, or stat six on all their attacks, so they're above you. And then their defense six on almost everything. Mm-hmm. So you're hard to hit them. And then random, like, little boys are hard to wound, and they have a plus flip for every person near them. So you're like, oh, I'm going to go kill this little idiot. And he's like, ha nope, not today. Like, it, it's just a banana screw. And then you're summoning the whole time. And if anybody does get out of position and goes to die, you can just blow them up. Yep, yep. And and, and the fact that, uh, you know, his, his low-level uh, summon there is insignificant, you know, so you have no you have no trouble bringing him into, into breakthrough. Or I'm sorry, into into reckoning, right? Into, into reckoning, and yeah. um, well, I, and I summon them usually if so. I'll always summon criers or good old boys, right? And then if I have a, a thirteen or fourteen, which I always will, because I I bring uh, like eight stones in summer, so I'm always cycling for a turn. Well, and the card um, draw is pretty good in summer too. Yeah, and, and and then you have like the bigger hat than you, and then, so you're just making them discard their pass tokens, and then you have their positive flip, or the cheat off the top, which you just always do if you don't care. 
to just save your good cards for when they matter. It's just like an insane. He's our best master. It's like not even close. Ma is shit compared to Summer. Like, and I, like I will say that I'm making a like deep dive with you on Ma, but after the Ricochet trick, like I can literally just say I'm gonna reach out and touch your big model because your idiot standing next to him takes seven. You do not get to interact. You do not get to pass go. You will flip no cards. Here's your seven damage, yep. and I'm gonna shoot you with my next middle boy. Like what the hell? <laughs> no, it's it, it, it is definitely good. Um, so uh, talk to me a little bit. I mean, we talked a little bit what would happen with the ricochet, but eight uh, one yeah. is still a huge thing. So was was yeah. there uh, a bunch so of denial or? Uh, no, I just did that like three times. Okay, and then uh, I killed like his whole team. So um, and then Zareda was like, "Oh, I'm gonna come out," and then I shot her a bunch. And then he's like, "Yeah, I think we're about at that point." He's like, "What was your other mission?" I was like, "Oh, take prisoner," and I was like, and "I." It just summoned a second prior. He's like, oh. He's like, well, do you have anything outside of that? And I was like, yeah, I can just push my spit hog and then lure you twice for stat seven. Yeah. He's like, okay, I think we're pretty done here. So it was like he had, I think, just Zareda and and the doppelganger left, if memory serves. And then the Groot Slang was at like two HP. Um, so it was like basically destined to die. Um, I will say, though, my opponent was amazing. Really like Sam. He's a super. He's a great guy. I've known him for a long time, and I always thought he was the other guy in his profile picture. So he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we've talked a bunch." I'm like, "I don't know who you are, dude. That's cool, (laughs) like whatever." But like, so the whole and then he messaged me on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, son of a bitch, it's that guy." And the whole time, I thought he was the other person's profile picture. Yeah, so he. So I've known the guy for a year. Not funny. His (laughs) his Facebook profile is uh, 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 him and his his significant other, and I never thought about that. If you you've never met Sam, you're not quite sure which is which. Oh yeah, that's funny. Like, yeah, it's so funny. But he's super gracious. Um, you know, didn't get upset or anything the whole game. I mean, he argued for me. I mean, he could have very easily been like, "Yep, Ricochet doesn't work that yep. way." No, he's he, he's Easily. A, he's a clean player. Um, and one of the things that that Sam used to struggle with, which is uh, the speed of play, he's made huge improvements on um, as well. Um, the other thing that's great about Sam is if anytime we need some volunteer help here on the third floor, Sam is the first guy to jump on. So he often will run the chats and our live streams. Um, he helped out a ton when we did the uh, overview videos for Neverborn, which we're releasing uh, here over the next six months. Um, so no, I'm I'm a huge huge fan of him. But the big battle. So uh, round two, we have Daniel facing Nick. Uh, so yep. I want to start with you, Daniel. Um, uh, what did you bring, and what was the reason for bringing it? Um, so I had uh, talked around, and I saw that Nick had taken Dreamer round one. Uh, and I've played Nick before. We played at the uh, December GT. Um, yep. He took Shen Long and uh, properly spanked me. Um, was I'm that not before the admit. game or at the game? <laughs> Maybe post game. I don't know. <laughs> we won't get into that, Craig. Okay. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, he he whipped me pretty good. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Nick's definitely a better player than I am. Uh, he had a bit of a rough game uh, over in Charlotte, though. Yeah. Um, he uh, what what did I? He was, I was pretty sure he's going to take Dreamer. He declared Neverborn. I declared Neverborn, and I thought to myself, I don't usually take Z and Reckoning. But oh. I was like, I know, I know Dreamer's crew like pretty well. Like, I feel confident running Z here because um, that's like you know her biggest asset is knowing the opponent's crew, in yep. my opinion. Um, so I was like, whatever, I'll run Z and we'll see how it goes. Um, when I saw his list, I was surprised because um, it was all minions. Which at first glance I was like, that's a horrible idea. And then I thought about <laughs> it again, and I was like, this is actually brilliant. Um, 
he took almost all he took daydreams three daydreams three madness and two stitched daydreams aren't worth anything for reckoning stitched have armor one uh, and they have ways to heal themselves um and insidious madness are incorporeal with terrifying and have ways to heal themselves as well um so it's actually a very tanky crew and i was like gosh christ I, this is actually going to be very difficult um well, and, and when you think about this into reckoning by by facing an all minion crew, I mean it might make that first and second reckoning points doable. But man, good luck on the third and fourth point. Yeah, but um, as far as my crew, uh, I took um, I want I don't want to say standard Z crew for me, but uh, kind of usual stuff. I took Vasilisa, who's I think like yeah, a busted model. Um, she can summon me stitched, which is very important for that third point, as you just mentioned, Craig, because yep. that's going to get me my um, uh, gamble your life, which ignores all of Dreamer's um, uh, defensive tech, which he has like protected, uh, incorporeal, and um, extreme countenance. Yeah. Tactical action gets around all of that. Um, he's only got seven wounds. Um, and then I took the Hooded Rider for his... Um, He's just a nice model in general. He's very good to obey because of his great sword. Uh, and he has uh, Ruthless, which is one of two models and everyone that has that. And I'm playing against Dreamer. I'm going to see a lot of terrifying. And then I took um, Bad Juju, a Gotra Bacor, and the first mate were my last three. Nice. So we kind of talked about it uh, a couple segments ago, but it's a big deal um, to uh, – to have as much knowledge of your opponent's crew as you do, Daniel. Um, and I think that, um, that gave, it gives you a, not only an advantage because, you know, Mama Z requires that, but just in general, it's one of the reasons that, um, in the deep dives, I like to, um, kind of cover counters and things like that for people, because I, I want those deep dives to be valuable, even if you don't play that master, uh, because that, that Intel can be, can be huge. So Nick, what kind of, what was your uh, take on Daniel's picks when you saw his crew for the first time? Uh, I thought it was sweet. <laughs> sweet for him like, or sweet for you? Uh, well, I thought was, I thought it was a sweet crew for him, like because um, Oliver has Zerada also. And we played it a whole bunch a while ago, and then we stopped because I hate playing against Zerada. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a bastard when I yeah. play too. But he, he's hard. playing in Bayou, and so I hadn't seen like the like something like this in Neverborn. It was right. actually well, it you, was, don't, it was, like, you don't normally cool. see the hooded rider. Yeah, well, I, I really like that with Zarada. That's really sweet. That's a good idea to just, like, keep hitting people and doing a ton of damage. It, like, turns her... Her obeys are already, like, crazy, but, like, it lets you have a model in your crew that's, like, great to obey, like, when you need it. Um, yeah, so I thought it was sweet. Yeah, again, I took the same list. Uh, it was funny. When, when we were, like, building our crews, like... He, he like took the upgrades out and I'm like, oh yeah, Neverborn have upgrades too. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled They're out. All right. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, Ancient Fat exists. <laughs> so I like took an upgrade this game. Uh, I didn't think I would need as many stones um, for summoning prevention. Because like he mentioned, like you could summon Stitch and get around Dreamer stuff. Uh, but yeah, so I, that. The same crew I took first round works Reckoning too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Insidious uh, can take focus on people, get them distracted. The whole crew's tanky. <laughs> you just resummon them if they die. Yeah, doesn't really matter in Reckoning as much as long as you outscore your opponent, which I didn't do. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, Daniel, yeah. what do you think was kind of the the key moments that that decided the game? 
Oh, uh, yeah, it's it's rough. Nick, it's yeah, yeah. And maybe uh, I should talk about this because uh, if you want to, yeah, I, I yeah. don't want to rag on you too much. Oh, it's right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I uh, I misremembered Take Prisoner. I took a Take Prisoner, and I took uh, what was the other one? Vendetta. Yeah, Vendetta. Yep. <laughs> uh, that was that was great. So since I misremembered Take Prisoner, I like took it on Bad Juju. He's a henchman. And you can't do that. And we're in the middle of the game. We're like, oh, shit, I can't actually score this. And we just kept going. So so in general, Nick, do you find the game harder when you're not playing for two schemes and only playing for one? It it is a little bit harder. It makes it a fair fight against streamer. It's (laughs) (laughs) it kind of was your own version of comp. (laughs) Yeah. So like what would describe this game is like we like misread some rules and I like just misread like lots of stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and that's going to happen, yeah. Nick. That's part of the danger of bringing something you're so new to, right? He, well, it wasn't the crew. It was just like, I misread that. I misremembered um, reckoning. You can't score two points off enforcers. I thought it was, it's only henchmen and masters. Yep. I'd give you extra. So it's like, Oh, I'm fine on this round, but it wasn't. Um, and then like, there's other rule stuff. Like he, uh, uh, I think Daniel, like you had obeyed one of my stitch to uh, use his tactical on Dreamer, but you can't do that because it's enemy only. Mm-hmm. But yep. when it just happens, so we just let it through. It's whatever. And then uh, later in the game, I actually realized this after the game, I was using a scatter to push people around and like push bad juju around because like I, I actually took take prisoner on him. So I spent a bunch of actions to like do stuff. But then later I realized he's got planted roots. He can't push him around. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. So there's just like all sorts of stuff like that this game. <laughs> so it ended up being a little bit rules wise, a little sloppy for both of you. Little, it was a little sloppy, but it was still a pretty yeah. sweet game, it, honestly. Yeah, it, it was a good game. And it was also we only ended up going to turn four yeah. um, as well, which is worth mentioning. I mean, that's kind of a fact of playing uh, Z and Dreamer on the same table. Those yeah. are very yeah. intensive, long masters. Um, I'm actually really glad you didn't also bring dreamer i think you remember you saying that you're like i didn't want to do that because it just doesn't sound fun i'm like yeah that would have been awful if we're just sitting at each other just trying to beat each other down like (laughs) yeah that's that's a crazy mirror match um so all right guys well let's take another quick break and let's talk about the final round where these guys uh and ended up uh, solidifying their positions and uh it's going to be a flank turf war round we'll be right back Howdy friends, Greg here. Nothing makes Malifaux easier than having the right tools. Here at the third floor, we love all the licensed Malifaux goodies from Custom Meeple. Not only are they helping support this podcast, they sell custom-made weird licensed tokens and terrain. They sell it all. Crew boxes, terrain, markers, tokens, and even a 3x3 full Malifaux board. Custom Meeple sells a complete M3E token set covering every marker and token you need to play. Custom Meeple are the source for the official accessories for Malifaux. Everything is designed by hand and authorized by Weird Games. Check them out at custommeeple.com. That's with one M. Or follow the link in the show notes. Up your Malifaux game and be sure to tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. If you use the promo code third floor friend, all one word, T H I R D F L O O R F R I E N D, you'll get a 5% discount and help support the podcast. It's valid on everything except retail products and playmats. All 
All right, so let's talk about the final round. Round three, a flank turf war. We've got deliver a message, power ritual, dig their graves, detonate the charges, and assassinate. Uh, so, Nick, you're going into this one and one. Um, obviously, you need a, a nice win in order to have a chance to make podium. Uh, you played uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Marcus Moore, uh, and Marcus was playing Bayou, I assume? Yes. All right. So, and you, and you have a little experience playing against Bayou, so uh, that's just good. A little bit. <laughs> uh, so, what did you what did you bring, and what did he bring? So, again, I brought the same crew, a yep. bunch of minions. Uh, and what he brought, he actually uh, it was really funny because I looked at like looked at him, looked at it again, and like smiled because he brought Wong and he brought like the pick a pole cheese list where you just like I put faced bombs it before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put bombs at people, launch them at you. But I was like. Oh, he's playing pickleball. I'm just going to spread my malls out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was a funny game. It's like, because uh, I took uh, Power Ritual um, and what was the other one? Dig the Graves. Uh, and yeah, you just like spread out and I put Dreamer all the way in the back. He doesn't think about Dreamer. He doesn't actually have to do anything. He just summon a model every turn and then that's still good enough. Um but, like, he killed Chompy turn two. He, like, focused him down. And I was like, okay. He spent all his actions on that. And then the rest of my crew went all over the board and did all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, so it was an 8-2 win. I mean, uh, what do you attribute to the uh, the differential? Was there some specific things that you were denying on his part? That, um, I mean, well, him, for one, he, he wasn't trying super hard to score turf war. I think he decided that he was going to fight, just try to, like, Hope I pack up some and like kill a bunch of people, which he did because he killed uh, a stitch and a J Dream that are near Chompy. I was like, put them near it to maybe make him attack that. Um, and he did. And I just like resummoned him later. Right. But he still killed Chompy, which is pretty big. But yep. uh, yeah, so he was he was also doing uh, Power Ritual because, you know, Wonk and Teleport Schemes places. Uh, but he had like. He had a lot of trouble leaving his deployment because there's like a lot of severe terrain in front of him. Uh, and like he deployed there so he'd be in range of like a bunch of people with a pickup bolt because I was the attacker. Um, so he got to see where some stuff was. Uh, so the points he scored because uh, he had a deliver message and he had power ritual. Um, I was, I was moving Dreamer up later in the game because it's like he can help me score Diggler Graves since mm-hmm. he's got three actions to help uh, teleport people in. Um, and he just like had a dude near him to go deliver. I didn't think he had it, so it just happened. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, the other point uh, he got, he did score Power Ritual because it's easy for Wong. Um, it's like his only feature? Yeah, it's like the best part of him, really. But yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, like... It's fortunately it's Wong's crew, so all his models have weak stats. And Dreamer, you're just like slowly making everything better and worse yeah. for your opponent, so you just can't overcome it at all. Yep. Like he's basically hoping I would pack up all my models and I didn't know what the pickleball did, and he would just like kill them all. Yeah, that pickleball. Yeah. If you don't know what's coming, it's 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 yeah. like devastating. You're it gonna lose just the destroy game, you, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the the first time I have scooped against somebody in years was against uh, a list very similar to that. It was pick a pole with Somer. And uh, I didn't well, quite know what it did. And uh, I had McMorning. So everybody was nice and bunched up, you know, turn one for him. Yeah. 
And, you know, he wiped half my crew by, you know, the fourth activation in turn one. <laughs> yeah, but, just pocket sand. Yeah, but once you know what's going on there. Never losing to it again. Yeah, yeah you're not going to lose happens. to it again. So it can be I, I, it can be a little bit of a trap, um, yeah. I think, for the Bayou player um, as well. So, so Daniel, you played uh, a local of ours, Michael Roper. Um, was Michael playing Rezzers? Oh, uh, he, I believe he was playing Grezzers, yes. Okay. Um, and you ended up winning 5-4. What did you bring and what did he bring? Um, I took Nekama here. Nice. Um, which was a questionable decision. So I played him, I played against him in Turf War matches before, and he takes Daw, or he did as Outcast, but he can also do that as Rezzers, which yep. he did. Um, and if I had thought about that for a second, I might have not taken Nekama, but... Uh, I, I, she's kind of my comfort pick uh, in general, but also especially in turf war. Um, I think she does really well into it. My basically my strategy is, I you know I've got a bunch of place four bonus actions and then move six with flight. I'm just going to flip my markers, get in your face in your own quadrant early on, and then just like you'll obliterate my crew, but you didn't get across the table, you didn't score any points, and I got you know most of my points. You know I got two or three from the scheme and hopefully two to four from the scheme, uh, two to three from the strategy and two to four from the uh, schemes. Right, and the uh, fight's happening on his side, so you're flipping his markers back, which means he has to waste AB to flip them back over exactly. again. Um, whereas if he's killing your models, it's it's not flipping any of your markers, so that's a good strategy. Right. I've basically just thrown all my models into a blender and saying, here, have them, I don't care. I, I got my points, you know, try and do something about it. It's funny you say that, Daniel, because that's uh, and I think everybody will, will agree. It's, it's something that's cool about Malifaux compared to other mini games, because usually, you know, I'm going to throw my stuff into a blender as a recipe for disaster in almost every <laughs> other mini game. Yeah. But I love the fact that Malifaux that, you know, that can be the strategy um, and it can win you games. Um, it's part of why, uh, you know, I harp about the depth uh, I see in Malifaux from a, a gameplay perspective compared to others. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um one thing I will say that I almost uh, completely screwed up. Um, they had assassinate in the pool, and they had uh, deliver a message. Uh, I knew Jack Daw was going to be near me and in my face. Yep. So I was like, those are both good takes, and I felt confident about assassinate. I was like, I have so much ping damage with Black Blood. Like, you know, I know he heals some, but it can't be that bad. It was that bad. I was really <laughs> glad I didn't take an assassinate. Oopsie. Yeah, that's um. <laughs> Because I had Hayredden and I had the Blackblood Shaman, who both can uh, um, Blackblood Pustule out of activation. And then I think Hayredden, I don't know if the Shaman has it or not. Hayredden uh, has a repeat trigger on it. Yep. Um, so that's like, you know, two to four damage out of activation on him that he can't really get around um, without using stones. Uh, so I thought about taking it. I was really glad I didn't. Uh, because I did try that initially, and that was a huge mistake. And I kind of, like, on turn two and three, I had to, like, just abandon ship. And I was like, I'm playing this completely wrong. Uh, I need to get out of here and just score my points and try and deny as many as I can. Good uh, for I you. Just stuck, stuck to my strategy at the beginning. Just flip my markers, get in his face early, and try and take him out in his own quadrant. I would have done a lot better, and I don't think it would have been as close of a game. Uh, but because I got greedy and I was like, I probably killed Jack Daw, whatever. Um yeah, that, that really, really made it a tight game the whole way through. 
Well, and that that dog crew is a very unique crew in general. That keyword is very unique. And, and the first time you face it, I don't care how many times you've read the cards, you, you're not going to realize what DAW does. Um, now, granted, uh, similar to the Pinkapult, that once you play it once, you kind of get, okay, you know, you, you can see what DAW does. But um, it, it's one of those keywords that you have to see on the table, both as a DAW player and playing against DAW to really understand what the hell is going on. Uh, your ability, though, to pivot, Daniel, is huge. Um, uh, you know, I've always considered you one of the strongest player in our meta. And uh, your ability to say, recognize, A, what was happening, B, it was going to lose you the game, and C, I need to change things. And granted, Nekoma gives you some of that flexibility. Um, it is very, very smart. So a strong win. Um, and, you know, Michael is a very good DAW player. Um, oh, yeah. So that that's, you know, winning against his DAW, whether he's playing it as Outcast or... Um, uh, Rezzer is, is is no small thing. So that locked you into uh, second place. Uh, Oliver, now uh, you play Jeremy, who uh, mm-hmm. is a good good buddy of mine, literally one of the best people ever to play against because he's, he's, so fun. he's a good player. Uh, he's a clean player. Um, he's a nice dude. Um, I got to somehow get him to stop playing Arcanist, but that's a whole nother thing. But, <laughs> I don't uh, know if we can. I think it's, it's just polluted his blood. I told him Arcanists are uh, Duke Blue. He's a big Carolina fan. I told him they're Duke Blue. You can't play that. Come that's on. a good call. <laughs> good call. Yeah, he's a fellow Tar Heel, uh, which in no way impacts the fact that I love the guy. Um, so uh, you had a nice win, though, 4-2. Um, and yeah. again, you know, Jeremy, um, he's only been playing, uh, for, I think, for less than a year now. But yeah. uh, he plays a lot better uh, than somebody who's only been playing for a year. And beating him in any match, 4-2, is a big deal. So walk me through uh, what you brought and what he brought. So this is this was a rematch. Um, we played uh, at the last uh, North Carolina uh, game. And like I think that was back in November, maybe October. I can't remember. Uh, but regardless, I, like, I could even see like his growth as a player in the last two months. Yeah. Um, so uh, I always love playing against him. He is a blast. He's like so jovial and like loves the game. He, yeah, he's just like a joyous human. Yep. Um, and just so I can't speak on like his character enough. As for his actual competent competency in play, uh, he's gotten very tight. Um, his counter picks are very strong. He immediately saddled up captain. Um, and he's like, well, I'm already paying ten points. So he went for Tony. Um, I assume he kind of went in knowing that I like to shoot people out of their deployment. Um, I, yeah, I don't know if I'm known for that or what, uh, but I mean, I don't know. Uh, so, but I picked summer cause he's broken. Um, so, and the reason that he was favored in this is because we had both dig your grave or dig their graves and detonate the charges. Those are two of the hardest missions to score for anyone who's not summer. Um, because it's just wonky and awkward for summer. They're extremely easy because, the uh, criers just to interact with anybody and then they let you put down a scheme and regardless of whether you're in melee or whether or not you're insignificant. So you can almost never not score it basically. Um, criers are guild lawyers times 10. So just keep that in mind. Guild players who are upset about their faction. <laughs> um, one day you guys may be good. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, but he brought captain. He brought the lawyer chick. I don't remember her name. He brought Fitzsimmons. And he clustered those three together, which was really fucking obnoxious. Yeah, it's brutal. The, the, the overlap there is brutal. It was really annoying. Um, so my focus, I basically opened up the game, um, moved his eater off to the left, 
moved another uh, one into position, summoned some stuff, and then dropped my prior into the game and interacted with all the... It was like a biogremlin and two skeeters that were like touching three of the markers and the gremlin could see all of them. So if at any point he tried to like move towards one of them, I could just obey and then flip them. And if he killed that target, they're insignificant. So I wouldn't flip it back because, you know, we're all playing fair Malifaux, you know? Uh, So... Uh, big points of the game. He had those three bundled up. I just kept shooting into them with good old boys doing the ricochet trick, um, doing the blast and then bouncing the three inches. So I just kept chip damaging them down. I was still focused doing it because even though it was only doing one damage per attack, it almost guaranteed I'd beat them. I'm stat seven. I want to say on ranged good old boys. I mean, they need it, right? Like they just need stat seven on their guns. Um, so shot into them and then just slowly chipped them down. And then the weird thing that happened, he tried to go for old cranky really early. Um, which is smart. I was about to say, that's not a big priority. Yeah. You should kill the old man. He's really good. He makes all of my other models better. Um, he lets me discard my bad cards for focus. Um, so he went after him and I had to abandon one of my points to save him with a skeeter. So I like, move charged and then attacked him with a skeeter and then did the you're coming with me to like pull him behind a wall and it, like, I felt like a god I was like yes and then he, he killed him anyways but but it took like an extra turn and a half uh, yeah. and it made him get a gunslinger and mouse out of position so I was able to shoot into them ricochet trick and then he shot killed cranky on the first activation for the gunslinger I discarded a card and then piggy eating grinned for a stat eight, Georgie Noloff gets out of activation under Lenny, so he gets three plus three to his stat. Yep. Um, and then use my focus, of course. So then I, uh, the gunslinger had used his first AP to shoot Cranky. I crack back in the middle of his activation, kill him, and then kill Mouse before Mouse activates. And I like that just collapsed his right flank, and then I just pushed all my forces into the awful miasma in the center. How, Killed how the lawyer much, chick and went from there. Yeah, how much of a factor was Tony in the game, or did you just ignore her? Uh, she was definitely a factor. I had timidity. Um, I kept like, so I kept like kind of like enticing her with targets over towards the right with Cranky and a couple others, and he kept trying to drag people into her. But there was this really conveniently placed lake and very conveniently placed giant like rock cliff, and so I just kept shuffling my team around the rock cliff to make her on the other side of it. Just to make it awkward, I knew it would be a shorter game um, just because of, like, how fast we were playing or whatever. Um, so I just kind of, like, tried to keep her busy, basically. I threw a Skeeter into her at one point with the focus, and then she took, like, two attacks to kill it. Right. Um, maybe maybe three. I think it was just two. Uh, I think he, like, missed on one, and then the second one punched it. Uh, but either way, it, like, ate up a lot of its activations. And then with Mouse and the Gunslinger, who are right next to her, just, like, auto-dying before they activated I was able to out-activate him for most of the game, um, and just keep it, just keep him basically like under activation. I think I killed a model before it activated at least once every turn, if not two. That's on huge. Some of the turns. Yeah. So, and that's and that's the benefit of of Bayou, right? Is like sure you have all your pass tokens, but that doesn't matter if I'm just killing your models before they activate. Yeah, so. you're you're, maint- you're maintaining AP dominance at at right. that point, and yep. one of the keys when you face Tony is uh, accepting the fact that Tony's going to eat stuff. But yep. what you're going to want to do is you want to you want to dictate what that is. If you can say, yeah. uh, you know, I'm going to take, uh, and this is all p- placement. 
right? I, I'm right, gonna right. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm the one that decides who she eats um, versus the Tony player. So uh, well done on that, guys. Let's go ahead and take uh, one last break. When we get back from this break, um, I've got three what I consider um, good Malifaux players on the pod. So I want to talk about a couple things. So I want to talk about kind of this current strategy uh, pool, the four different strategies we have, and uh, if there's uh, anything that they're hoping for to see in Gaining Ground Season 1. And then I also want to talk about uh, how many rounds we're getting in um, within the time constraints. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, here on the third floor you'll find us playing Malifaux and other games on Mats by Mars. They are scratch-resistant, waterproof, wet-erase Markle-compatible, and lighter than neoprene. These mats use a new material that almost eliminates any glare. Mats by Mars gives you over 40 designs to choose from. Pick a mat size, pick a design, then choose an overlay like the one for Marvel Crisis Protocol or Malifaux 3rd Edition strats and schemes. It's going to speed up your deployment and the placement of strategy and objective markers. Until the end of June 2020, you can use the new promo code THIRDFLOOR620 to get a 10% discount on your next order. In the notes, you can ask for the Third Floor Wars logo to be put on your mat for free. Again, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR620, that's T-H-I-R-D-F-L-O-O-R-620, to get a 10% discount. All the details are in the show notes. Hi there, this is Owen from the Nova Open, and I am a $5 patron of Third Floor Wars because I love supporting the whole Malifaux community. I want to help Craig and the whole Third Floor Wars team continue making the fantastic content that gets me through my daily commute. You should join me in supporting the show. Just pause this episode, head to patreon.com and search Third Floor Wars, or grab the link in the show notes. See you there. Want to do a quick shout out for our all-time top patrons, Nick Westbrook, Craig Chuba, Stephen Morris, Kevin Smith, Sam Newman, James Hahn, Jeremy Peace, Ambrose Ingram, and Corinne Soles. It's because of you guys and gals that uh, we're able to do what we do. So, guys, one of the things that, you know, we hear a lot of chatter about on Weird Place, um, it's a lot of chatter here in our local chats, um, is, you know, how many rounds are getting played? And um, to quote uh, Cody, I think, in one of the previous podcasts, you know, if you're not playing five rounds, you're not playing Malifaux. Uh, You're playing a comped version of Malifaux. And um, so I want to talk about that. And Oliver, let's start with you. Like, what is your take right now? Like, so, for example, in your three in your three games, what rounds did you finish on? Yeah, uh, so three, every game. Two, yeah. Tur- three turns, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, I think that I think that that's going to happen ninety nine percent of the time. I, I mean, I've, I've been pretty like open about my opinion that Malfo is a three turn game, even in tournaments. Um, I think Cody's right that it is a different game than what they designed to, but I think it's it's odd because it's clear that they also take that into consideration when they're designing crews, right? Like look at look at Summer, look at uh, and look at Dreamer, right? Uh, or or look at any of the other summoners. It's very clear that time is a is a balancing factor when you look at how powerful their crews are. Uh, Dreamer is just an obscene master. If he lives five turns, you will never beat him. Very, very few exceptions, right? Um, and so it's clear that they're like acknowledging it in some ways, but then they refuse to acknowledge it in others. And the, the community kind of has their head in the sand a little bit. It, it seems like people are starting to kind of open up and wake up to it. 
Uh, my biggest argument is that the the logic that like the game will just get faster as we play more assumes the game is dead because that means that there's no new players. You are always wanting an influx of 20 to 30% of your players to be brand new because you want to be proselytizing your game. You want to be encouraging people to play. And so if we're in a place where everybody plays so fast and speedy that we're all slamming five rounds in our tournament with 20 people, every single one of those people is a veteran and the game's dead because you have no new people. Okay. So I think that that, that argument is... It, it assumes things that are bad. So we definitely want to mitigate that with new players. And I, and I think that it's particularly egregious because you're seeing players who are well-versed. Like, I was playing Somer fast. Like, I mean, he, me and Jeremy played our game, and we hit three turns. You know, I was playing Ma against Jesse, and we hit three. We talked through turn three, right? Like, yeah. I mean, and, and you've seen me play Ma. Like, I play Ma quick. You've seen me play Zip. Like, I play Zip fast. Like, I, I had my activation ready every single time we played at Nova. Um, and you're not even getting close, right? The only time you're hitting turns four and five is, like, when the game crumples. Like, one person just auto-falls over, and you just crush their whole crew. That's why I play to kill your whole crew in the deployment. Because there were, you have two models to activate. You're not winning. Right, okay, you're done. Okay, cool. I'm going to scheme all my points. I'm going to scroll my stuff. Because if I alpha strike you and kill all your decisions, then I will actually get through turns four and five, which is going to increase my differential, and that's going to make me win. That's a problem. That that should not be how the game is. Or we need to openly acknowledge that it's an issue. Understand that you cannot change that unless you break the bones of the game and redesign a totally beast on top of it. We need to have three turns, scoring first turn, and then go from there. I think that that's the big thing I want out of season. Probably not one, because that takes a lot of... Uh, you got to have a lot of humility to acknowledge you fucked up when you designed your game in regards to time. Right. I don't think weird's in a place for that, especially with their logistic errors. Um, I don't know if anyone else saw the LVO post this weekend, like Jesus Christ, like get a PR rep, like don't post shit like that on your page. It's disgraceful. It looks awful. It makes me embarrassed to play your fucking game. Don't post awful shit like that. Like don't have arguments with other companies on Twitter. You're not Arby's. You're not Wendy's. Stop it. Um, so I definitely don't think that's happening in season one, but it definitely needs to happen if we want the game to sustain. Because me telling a new player, hey, yeah, this game is a five-turn game, and then them getting into a five-hour game and then still not hitting turn five, unless someone just crushes them, that's not, it's, it's disingenuous, right? Like, we just need to acknowledge this is what we have. So, so Daniel, out of curiosity, do you th- do you agree with Oliver that, that you would have to fundamentally break and redesign the game from the ground up to be able to play five rounds in two and a half hours? Consistently. Uh, consistently, um, probably. Okay. Uh, there, there are certain, I, you know, it depends on the crew too, as Oliver is saying. Yeah, uh, obviously you know, there's a lot like, of, there's a lot of variables, right? When I, when I play Nekama, like I'm expecting to either table you or you ta- to table me. So that's, I, I've never had a game that didn't go to turn five with her, but, uh, um, I mean, I felt like there's been an issue with the, uh, time for, you know, since like last uh, like April since end of open beta, really. Um, it's just an inherently longer game. Uh, there's more, uh, more models have more triggers. Um, and just there, there's a lot more steps to do each thing you do when you play a game of Malifaux now, as opposed to second edition. And that was going to be my big question, Daniel, is as I haven't quit completely pinned down why. So three, I think streamlined the rule set from two, 
So, so in your opinion, Daniel, like, why is that? Is it, is it as simple as we just have more triggers or, or what do you mean that takes more steps? I mean, what, what happened when we went to three that made the game longer? I could probably answer um, that. Oh, you can keep going. Well, I asked Daniel, so shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious I mean, I, triggers is the first thing that comes to mind. I've thought about this before and there's other stuff that I'm completely blanking on right now. Um, to my embarrassment, but, uh, but you, play, you played a lot. Just sit back for a second though, Daniel, you played a lot in two. So, um, and you played never same cruise. So why, why is playing your never born cruise now taking you longer than it did in two? Um, it just, even the small models, like the, into it, second edition, there's a lot of small models. Um, uh, like Kaladi had his puppets and stuff. Um, that they just kind of did their thing and they did one thing. They had a very specific role. There's no triggers, no like nonsense, no outside factors to consider. They just did this done 30 second activation. And it was like half your crew was like that. I felt for most second edition. There's a ton of throwaway activations, um, which we just in three mo- every model had does more. I oh, think yeah. and, and it makes the game very interesting, but yeah. at the same time, it takes time. Yep, no, I agree. How about you, Nick? What do you think is the uh, difference maker? The crews, like models in general, do way less damage than they do in second edition. Mm-hmm. Like because of that, there's more models on the table, so there's always more activations happening. Like if you're not wiping your opponent. That means they have like ten activations to get through. Like a lot of Daniel's reasons make sense, and like in addition, like malls are just not going off the table. They're still on there, Real still doing point. their stuff. And over a course of a game, that takes its toll for like time. Yep. Like it just gets more and more complex as you go because you're like in the beginning, sure you kind of know what you're doing, but as you're going through a game, you're like, oh, I need to score points. I need to do this. What's the best way to do that? And you have to if you have to sit and think for a sec about that. There's not enough time for that. Like, <laughs> so here's kind of where I am, and, and this is this is tough for me. So, I think that a what your point, Nick, about the models are on the table longer, huge factor. Two, I think Daniel's point is big, which is you know the uh, you don't have the throwaway activations. You've got you've got yeah, every model matters more and, and impacts things more. And I think another factor too, which we, we've all kind of hinted at, but the the schemes are more complex. Scoring is not as easy and straightforward as it used to be. Those are three things that I love about third edition. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the fact that those three things were a part of this third edition. And I don't think until just recently I've, I, I've started to use talk about head in the sand, Oliver. I don't think until recently that I've realized that this may not be just a, hey, this is still new to us situation, yep. that that this is a permanent game state. Um, right. and, and where I struggle and where uh, I'm glad I'm not uh, Kyle and Matt is I don't know how to fix it. Um, because I don't think we want Malifaux to be a four hour skirmish game. Um, because that, that, that's not a real attractive, uh, slot <laughs> in mini gaming, right? People go to skirmish games so that they're not slogging through five hour 40 K games. Um, but at the same time, man, I love the thing. So it, it, kind of where I, if I had to pick between the three, right? So if I had to do the Sophie's choice, I think, um, maybe making things die a little bit easier might be the answer. Um, to to get I think us that going, takes a lot of a lot of work though. So oh, I think, no question. I right. Think so you have questions of like, okay, do we just go to fourth edition, or like, how do we change yeah. third edition as itself to be it? And I think that the only way you can do that reasonably is by adjusting gaming grounds. And I think that you just reduce the game to three turns. You do you do scoring turn one, and you just like this is where we are, right? Like 
three. This is a three turn game. So let's not just call it something else. Let's right. call it a three turn game. Let the first half season or whatever just be utter dog shit, right? Because you have Zip who's going to be hyper broken. You have Zerato who's going to be hyper broken. You have uh, all these other various masters, Nekama, a few others. But you have some masters who are going to be better, right? Like Guild immediately becomes better Correct. if you have that, right? Because they can counter punch, they can hit early, they can score, they have dogs. Dogs are so good. Yep. Dogs are so good, Nick. I know you hate dogs, but dogs are amazing. They'd be amazing in a turn three, a three turn game, though, right? And so all of a sudden, you just acknowledge that that's what it is. You say, this is where we are. You let it sit for half a season. You let the people like Nick and me and Jamie over in Britain and Steve Bynum, and you let all these people just crunch through it for six months or a year because your company is no longer about to go underwater, right? You have the time now, and then you just rebalance the game to that, right? And I don't think it would take... Uh, it, it is significantly less adjustment turning the game from a five-turn game to a three-turn game than it is turning the game from a three-turn game to a five-turn game, right? Like all your all of your broken summoners become a lot more reasonable in three turns. A lot of like everything just looks so much better from a thousand point, like a thousand thousand foot view immediately, in my opinion. Right. I, I got to say, Oliver, I've never thought about this before. And when you first mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, um, I was very skeptical. But you're making a pretty strong argument. Um, and I think what will be key is that we make that if that were to work, the only way it would work is we've got to make the whole game end on turn three, not just for tournaments, not just for anything. It's like th- this is a fundamental change to how we play the game and everybody, whether it's casual or not, is playing a three turn game. Um, I'm going to have to digest that, though, because score know, turn one. you there, have to score turn one. So you, have to, design, so you yeah. have to design new schemes, right? Yeah. You wouldn't have the same strats. You wouldn't have yep. the same schemes. But it, but think about it. If those were just different, right? Because immediately the, the reason that you have a counterpunch to it or an immediate like negative reaction to it is, man, you're really broken with the current schemes. Right. But would it be broken with the current models? Because the schemes and the strategies are interchangeable. We can throw all that shit out, keep the ones that are interesting, and then move on to the next ones. And and it, it really, I think it really is a fundamentally and substantially easier way to fix the current game because Malifaux is not a tournament game right now. That is the 110%. I do not want to go to a five-round Malifovin fucking ever because I do not want to just do I don't want to do that. I can't play I can't play a five-round 40K tournament, and Malifaux is 40K in regards to time right now. No right. one wants to admit it, but that is just what it is, right? It, just be a pragmatist for a second. Like We can't sit here and say, oh, well, this is what we want, so the results are definitely what we want. We just say, well, what are the results we're getting out of, out of the actual experiment, and how do we – how do we change the experience to get the results on the experiment? The experiment says X. So let's just try and plan around X. Well, and, and the other thing too is at that point, you're setting some expe- some reasonable expectations, right? Because right. um, they're unreasonable right now. The, like how many times do I give demos and, and new people are like, oh, sweet. So it's, it's a 25 on 25 soul stone game. Um, how, how long is this going to take? And it's like, ah, like, I, you know, I don't really, an hour and a half probably, just to be frank, like maybe two. Yeah. And they're like, but isn't this half the size of a normal game? Don't we only have like a third of the models? Like what, how do you, how do you play a five turn game? You don't, you cannot in two hours. And we've been timing ourselves. I don't know if Nick, you've been doing it, but like I've played games against Matt and I've played games against John. I've played games against Gavin where we literally slam a timer down and say, let's see how far we get. Is are people doing that? Right? Like are people actually doing that? And then getting on a weird place and making the commentary that you can definitely finish a five turn game. And I don't know why Britain is always finishing their five turn rounds. I would assume that there is 
a substantial amount of models that are dead instantly that they're forcing the alpha punch because they've been playing the beta longer, right? They have more players who've probably solved that pattern that have said, okay, all I have to do is kill two thirds of his models within the first two turns and we can finish five turns. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know the answer to that, but um, that's a very interesting point, Oliver, um, and one that I probably am going to turn to some other people in uh, some other episodes to talk through it, because it's the first I've heard, um, and I think there's a lot of discussion to be had. I think uh, the this would be the simplest solution is a big thing. Uh, that makes uh, your argument interesting. Um, so let's shift it a little bit, but it's going to be kind of tied together a little bit based off of what we just had. Um, so Nick, uh, of the four strategies, which one would it would you not cry if it went away? Uh, let's see. Probably Reckoning, just because it's kind of boring. It's like, those are really interesting, but that one, like you can, Reckoning is basically like a less complicated turf war, and turf war is more interesting to me. So Do you think Turf War is killing enough to be able to say we have a Kelly scheme? Yeah. Or a Kelly strategy? Yeah, I think so. Like, almost all of them really are, but, like, Turf War is, yeah, you're killing each other, but in important places, it matters, like, where and what. You think about it more, like... So if you think about kind of the different the different keywords, the different things that, you know, make a keyword what it is, mobility, uh, AP efficiencies, all, you know, all of these different types of things. Is there a style of strategy that you think um, could make things interesting? Um, uh, and it's, it's kind of a tough question, obviously, uh, off the top of your head. But like, you know, we'd look at Turf War. Let's say Turf War is about... Um, you know, positioning and uh, th- uh, kill threat, right? Damage yeah. threat uh, and resilience, right? So we look at idols. Um, idols has a lot to do with um, your ability to, to uh, shape your control hand. Yeah. So you can help with initiative. It has a lot to do with how you manage and use pass tokens. Um, uh, it also has to do with resiliency. Yeah. Um, and plant explosives is, is all AP efficiency and, um, the, you know, the downstream of having that AP efficiency. Um, so what would, what's potentially missing? Is there an aspects or, and maybe here's another way to phrase it as somebody who's played different, two different, um, key, uh, uh, factions. Yeah. Like, are there, are there masters that don't hit the table that could hit the table if X was a factor in a strategy scoring? Oh, I think so. Yeah. Like actually what I'd like to see. I don't see many miniatures game doing this, but like a strat that promotes like a, it has like a list billing restriction. So like a strategy where only minions can score it. Like if, if there's something like that, where only that because right now, like people don't really bring that many minions. They bring big models that like beat up other people really easily or do a lot more. And there's not really a reason to bring smaller guys unless they are really efficient, like with yep. leaps and stuff. So I'd like to see a strat that encourages you to bring minions by specifically saying only minions can interact with this. So now you're like, well, how many do I bring versus how many big guys to like stop my opponent? Something yeah. like that. I would love to see something like that. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. And there yeah. was a, in, in 2E, uh, there was a strat called uh, Supply Wagons, um, which <laughs> in many ways was an awful, awful strategy. Just terrible <laughs> strategy, except for one aspect which was you pushed a wagon based off of your base size. Uh-huh. So a 50 mil base pushed the wagon farther than a 40 mil, which pushed more than, uh, you know, a, a, a 30 mil. And what was interesting about it is it was a strategy that directly cr- caused people to create lists they don't normally create. 
And I, I, I loved that about supply wagons. So I could have, you know, because in 2E, everybody pretty much had this, their standard list for just about everything. And you didn't vary it regardless of what the schemes and strategies were, except yeah. supply wagons. Supply wagons forced you to do it. So your concept, Nick, of a uh, crew shaping strat, I think is very, very cool. How about you, Oliver? What is a, a strat you'd love to see disappear? And um, is there something that you think uh, could add some spice to it? Um, so... Nick said reckoning, so I'm just going to be different so we get more uh, information. I would actually like to see uh, the turf war change. Um, I think that, again, like focusing on Alpha as a three-turn game, I would like to see turf war turn into a I control more as opposed to I control a lot. So if it was a if it was a game that I was playing and I had to score turn one, if you just said you have to control more markers, like I have to control three as opposed to two, or I have to control two over one, like that would immediately make that game mode really fucking weird. So you don't don't score if you tie. Right, right. Yeah, if you tie, nothing, right? And and so then all of a sudden the center point like matters way more. You've like weird like models that become like really good. Like you start favoring like those seven move guys who like fall over because someone looks at them because you're like, ah, maybe I could just like move, move, and then turn two. I might be able to just like interact, interact. Like, Mm -hmm. It makes it makes some masters like really strangely strong. Like Zip, all of a sudden becomes like more than just playable because right now Zip's like fine. He's like good, but he's not. He's not great. His mobility doesn't like reward him in any way. Um, but yeah, like a, a game that like hyper rewards mobility, right? Because all the all the game modes right now award mobility because mobility is the best thing in the game. But there's not. There's not anything that says, like, if you don't have two seven move models or if you don't have, like, these hyper-efficient models, you know, move six, you know, cost three, yep. you know, <laughs> then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're not getting anything crazy out yep. of it. Um, I would probably more, like, start scissoring out the schemes than the strategies. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing I like about what you said is it would be interesting if, if the center marker mattered in turf war, because right now it's incidental, right? Like, if it gets right. flipped, if it gets flipped right. that's fine, and usually it's because yeah. your opponent screwed up uh, yeah, if, you're, yeah. if you're getting that, that no marker. No one wants it. Yeah, in the middle. You really don't want to go after it. And I, and I think adjusting that, too, to be, like, not kill it, like, you just have to go over there and change it. That all of a sudden gets like really crazy. I agree. Like, how cool would it be if that you know? Because right now it's so easy to flip it off. But imagine yeah, if, stuff. yeah, imagine if that did not get impacted by killing. Right. So killing was yeah. only for the quarter, and the middle it has to be interacted with to flip on or off. That and then that zone would make control things, matters so much yep. more. Like holding actual people around the zone matters so much more. Like, oh, I've got a will o' wisp sitting on the marker. Good luck with your two inch. Oh, you walked over to me. Get it distracted. Did you want to try and kill me before you? Try to interact with this because now you're gonna like all of a sudden you have all these like weird random models. Like Willis are crazy anyways, right? No one plays them though, but for whatever reason. Uh but yeah, I mean like you have all these models that are just like weird and all of a sudden really so again, like what Nick was saying, right? Like I want more missions that are hyper list restrictive. Yep. Um you know, and, and the same thing can be said for the schemes, right? Like there are a few schemes that I just insta delete and just like move on. Yep. Because they don't do anything. How about you, Daniels? Or um and and it's okay if you uh, pick one that's already been picked. Is there a, <laughs> is there a strategy you wouldn't miss? Um, I mean, I have to agree with Nick and Oliver. I think uh, having turf war and reckoning both they're both kill st- uh, strategies. Um, I would definitely get rid of one of them. I'd probably lean towards reckoning. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, nothing too interesting to say there. I think uh, you could maybe do some stuff with plant explosives to make it a little more interesting. Uh, it's oh, so. cool. Um, it's I mean, just walk over and drop bombs. There's no enemy interaction. Uh, you just you do it and you score your points, and they do it and they score their points. One of my favorite things about um, near the end of second edition, the strategies they had then is almost all of them were, I think three out of the four uh, were. It's the case where turn one, I think you can both score it, but then turn two. It's if you're tied, nobody scores. So it, it immediately just via the strategies, you know, creates conflict, creates confrontation. Yeah. You want to be in your opponent's face and doing stuff against them and with them. That's what makes the game interesting. Um, and I don't think plant explosives is all right, but it doesn't really have that aspect to it. You can just, you know, I can line up on my right half of the board. They can line up on their right half of the board. We both just go our opposite ways and, you know, get our strategy points. And it's not a fun way to play. No, I, I agree. And I'll tell you, it's funny because um, the one thing I like about the strats and schemes in three is it, it pushes it pushes you out of your uh, deployment zones. Like you have to get you have to get to the center or over the center to score a lot of these schemes and a lot of these strategies, which is something that I loved about the pools that we saw in three. But one thing that I miss is what you're talking about, Daniel, is especially at the end of two, it was we're not both going to score. Either yeah. I'm scoring or you're scoring, and that that changes everything, and um, and it forces conflict. Yeah, no, struggling game too, which is yeah. another big issue. <clears throat> no, I agree. All right, well, guys, I do appreciate it. Congratulations again. Uh, uh, you know, it was uh, a, a small local, but 14 players, and you guys, um, you know, made podium. So that's um, that's great. And um, I think that there's a decent chance that we're going to see um, all three of you uh, come uh, next fall for the uh, Masters, uh, based off so. of your current current and future rankings. So, um, guys, does anybody have any plugs? Nope. <laughs> yeah. No. If you're in Virginia Beach, come out to Tower. That's where we yeah, play. Yeah. So at some point <laughs> we will be doing an event. Um I'm currently trying to figure out what everyone in North Carolina is doing. So I can just like get a bus full of you guys up. Well, I hundred um, percent be down with that. Yeah, we, we, and we owe we owe you some travel up there, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we're trying to get you guys, and we're trying to get guys from Hazak, because we're kind of like nestled between the two of you. So I'm trying to like organize with uh Owen and then also organize with uh, Jesse and Blue and a couple others like they are like what's the best date? So we're looking at sometime in mid-April probably. Great. Um, so pay attention to Southeastern Virginia Malifo, which I guess is a plug. Uh, that's our Facebook group. So you guys are welcome to join that. Again, uh, apologies for John and Matthew on a weird place. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just go ahead and formally apologize to the <laughs> to the admins. Um, and then the Bayou of Malifo. Uh, so the Bayou of Malifo is the Facebook group for Bayou. Um, I guess I do also run that. I guess I do. Um, so join that if you're looking for broken strats. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, thanks again for coming on. I'm sure that uh, uh, you guys will all be on again uh, soon. And for those of you that stayed through the end, I appreciate you listening. Take care. Be sure to check out our shop on thirdfloorwars.com for the latest gaming apparel and gear. While you're there, check out how the USFO Tour is shaping up. How does your conference compare to the others in the United States? Where do you rank nationally? Get those models built, painted, and on the table so we can see you at the U.S. Masters Invitational in October of 2020. Also, rate and write a review on this podcast for us. It really helps us find people almost as cool as you are. Thanks for listening. 
Howdy friend, Craig here. Is this episode making you realize you need to buy some models? Gadzooks Gaming is my favorite online retailer because of their large selection, killer prices, and great customer service. Don't you hate buying an entire crew box when you only need one model? Gadzooks sells crew box models individually and saves you a ton of money. They even have free shipping to the U.S. and Canada if you spend $100 or more. Swing by gadzooksgaming.com and make sure you tell them Craig from the third floor sent you. All the details are in the show notes. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. All right, boys. So I didn't realize this until about two-thirds through. Oliver, your meter has not been going up and down, but I can hear you. Oh, mine, it is on my side. It's oh, it is? Can, yeah, okay. I can see it go up and down. It's, oh, it's thank God. Up, so yeah. I think one of the highlights of the game, too, was he was expecting, uh, expecting Sober to, like, summon a dude into Tony. And I was like, nah. And I just, like, focused, charged, and, like, donkey punched the shit out of Fitzsimmons and just, like, insta-killed him and then flipped a red joker. Nice. <laughs> so lucky. I was like, put a scheme down, <laughs> charge, just, like, donkey punch, and then I got me my uh, Dig Their Graves point. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, like, my whole tournament was just, like, me playing mediocre and getting lucky. Right. Dude, Fitz, Fitzsimmons is an asshole. I hate that. Yeah, moment. he's a he's a dick. And it's just summer, just like ah, <laughs> funny. so funny. It's so funny. All right, I'll bring us back. Yeah, that sounds like fucking dog shit. Holy, <laughs> it was really funny. Double though. dreamer, like, like <laughs> yeah. Let's just go get a beer and flip a coin. Yeah, it, like, that's that. probably what it'd been like. It, yeah, it would not been fun. Yeah, thank you for yeah, playing no. something else. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was my first thought for that round too. Is probably to play Dreamer, but yeah. I was like, eh, you know, I've been playing Z more and more recently. Well, let's be fair, Daniel. The first thought for any Neverborn player is, oh, Dreamer would be good. Yeah, <laughs> Dreamer is. He's not, good, he's not as yeah. good in Reckoning and Turf War as he is in uh, Plant and uh, Corrupted Idol. Still very good, but not as good. Yeah, it might I think it's just the opportunity cost thing it goes back to like yeah. you, you're just yeah. not going to be like, you're just almost never better off taking something else. Yeah, it's just that like, good, right? Because even into reckoning, you've Carver to just like soak focus off people. So it's yeah. like, oh, you attack Dreamer with a focus attack. I guess I'll just redirect to Carver and then it, it depends your focus on, before the attack. Depends on how they're using it because yeah. they. I mean, it depends. Like, if you have a model, they can focus entirely within their own activation, right? They can just focus and use it, and you can't. You can push them two inches and make them take a damage, but you can't yeah. strip the condition. Right, um, right. So if you're if you're yeah. playing against it smartly, it's not. You can get around Carver's anti-focus stuff, but he's so crazy. Yeah. He's, he's a very good model. I'll bring it back. I'll let you use that, Craig. You're allowed. You can use that break. <laughs> Dude, you don't. You, I use all of it. Yeah, I figured. He's got cash. <laughs> a soul stone cash of his own. 
I don't think I actually answered your question. I'd get lost sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you're barely listenable, Nick. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's like, no. oh yeah, let me talk about something else. No, <laughs> I, you're fine. It's my it's my job as the host to to, yeah. to direct things. So if, if I feel like I've asked something you haven't answered, I'll ask you again. Don't worry. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of podcasts where some of the guests just ramble about random stuff end up being the most interesting. Well, it's part. Uh, it's, I, I, it's, yeah, it's part of what I like. It's not overly excessive. Yeah. I, I, I agree, and that's it's one of the things. Like I want. That's why I try to turn this into a conversation as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and it's also why um, I don't. I don't. You know, say here's all the questions I'm going to ask. I'm not going to ask any other questions um, because I just want to kind of see where things go. And I've learned to control things as a host so I can, you know, if I think you're going in a place that nobody gives a shit about, I'll, you know, I can bring it back. So, but that's not your job, Nick. That's mine. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, his charging cable is buried. Uh, <laughs> cause I can hear, I don't know if you've seen Oliver's house, but, uh, <laughs> 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 no, my actually, he's a really clean person. Actually, my house is way dirtier. Oh, like, dude, my house is clean until you get to the third floor. <laughs> yeah. uh, Daniel's been up there, so you like walk oh, yeah. up, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, so like order. That's cool. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you like clear off the table just to play a game. Just oh, like, dude, push it's, it it's so bad. It's so bad. Every weekend, I'm like, I'm gonna clean clean up up here, and I end up doing something else. Yeah. Do you have more inventory than most game stores up there? Oh, it's it's embarrassing. And what's worse, Daniel, is as much inventory as you see, like, on the third floor, that's a third. The other two-thirds oh, is in the attic behind the door. Uh, is it also unbuilt, or? Oh, most of it's, dude, most of it's sealed. Oh, yeah. I mean, and shit I'll never do. Like, I'll never touch. Um yeah. And I don't know. What am I missing? Uh, nothing. We're just making fun of you. Craig's trash pile. It's third oh. floor. <laughs> Just mod- models that you're never gonna build. Yeah. Oh yeah, just yeah. <laughs> still wrapped in plastic. D- Daniel made the comment. I have more inventory than most game stores. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. All right, I will start us off on round two. Give me one second. <laughs>